So the supply chain and how things move through the retail environment is like a really a fascinating thing uh, when it really comes down to it. And there's a role a lot of people don't know about this space. And that has to do with a manufacturer sales rep. So this episode is with Paul Birkenstock. We work with him at Diesel Laptops. He has done a tremendous job. His father started the company. He now rolls with it as well. Uh, but it's really a fascinating space. It's really, you're, a, you're an independent sales rep and you're out there and your only limit on yourself on how much money you make is really yourself. And they work with a variety of companies. They're in a variety of industries. And I think you're gonna enjoy this. Maybe it's a career option for someone out there that you know of because you can make a lot of money at it and it's a great career to be in. So take, uh, take a seat here and uh, listen to the episode. Well, Paul, welcome to the DL. And I think maybe just to get started, just, just I guess, tell everyone like what you do and how long you've been doing it. And we'll kind of start diving down into the details here as we go. Okay. So <clears throat> New Market Sales uh, was actually started by my father under Birkenstock Sales, and we're an independent manufacturing sales organization. Uh, we specialize right now primarily in industrial and, and heavy duty. Uh, but the nature of an independent sales rep is you sort of look and dig into the geographical territory you're in, and that's kind of where you want to sell. So if you're sitting in uh, the land of hardware, you're probably a hardware rep. Well, hey, what, what made your dad do it all those years ago? Is there a specific thing that happened? Do, do you ever get the story of like, why this? Of all the things you can do in the world, like, why, why this? Yeah, so he tells a story. So he worked for a manufacturer uh, of hose clamps in Brooklyn. <clears throat> you know, he came out of uh, World War II, had a couple of odd jobs, uh, wanted to teach, and somebody told him, you're never going to make any money to support your family being a teacher. So why don't you go into sales? So he got uh, he got working on it, and he was, uh, I guess you'd call it a regional sales manager at the time. He got very frustrated because he'd go into a territory to work with uh, a, a, an agency or a salesperson, they wouldn't be prepared. And he's, you know, in his mind, he's like, I can do a better job than this. So he saw that, that opportunity on a handshake. He got involved in the rep agencies. Unfortunately, the gentleman that he partnered with passed away uh, about a year after they started. Uh, and dad really took care of both families for about six, seven years. So, you know, a lot of hard work. Uh, and, you know, I grew up seeing that, you know, back in the day, it was all physical. Uh, counting, you didn't have computers so much, so you'd have to go in and you know get on the shelves. And I, I remember very well doing that one day, and the owner of the company taking the work I had done, and he's like, "This is illegible." You know, I was like 14 years old, so it's like I always learn. You know, you learn things by doing. You know, I learned to to write clearly, and I saw the, the way Dad interacted with the people. I got the relationship side of the selling. I really enjoyed it, and. That's where I ended so, up. So how old were you when he started dragging you around on these uh, these visits that you had to go do? I'd say probably in that 13, 12, 13 range. I had an older brother, five years older, who uh, moved out of the business a bunch of years ago back in the 90s. Uh, so yeah, uh, early on, we were always involved. And you know, you'd have uh, principals that we represented. They come over to the house. At one time, we had a van outside which had lights on it You know that you'd drive around to try to sell the lights. You know, everything very much uh, tactile. Uh, so I kind of always saw that and, and always always enjoyed it, liked the idea of it. 
So it's been, like I said, it's been, I, I, I like to say I don't know any better because I've been doing it my whole life. Yeah, that, that's about the age my dad started dragging me and my brother around, uh, you know, concrete plants, right, and gravel pits. So he started dragging oh, okay. us around, like it was a Saturday, right? Like you had to watch the kids. So like, well, kids were in the batch plant for the Saturday. So you learn how to batch concrete and do all those things. So it's it's always it's always good to hear stories like that where you, you hear a, a parent doing that with their, with their children and getting them involved in something. So it looks like the air current doesn't very fall very far from the tree here in this in this particular case i think the the understanding of how money's made uh what your people do you know your family does to support uh the family the the brothers the sisters i think that's all key and it's really you can't learn it in a book it's learned through examples whether it's a parent or a friend or a neighbor i think it was an important part of my upbringing so let's talk about the heavy duty and industrial industry here just for a little bit to, to kind of dive more into your role. Sure. So you have manufacturers and some manufacturers sell to other manufacturers to, to produce a common good, right? Like a seat manufacturer sells to Peterbilt who then puts a seat in, right? And sells right. a completed truck. But then you also have like your distributors, you got your end retailers. Uh, sometimes there's not even a distributor in the middle of that. Some industries there are. And then you obviously have customers. So when people hear the word like manufacturer sales rep or just outsource sales, is it strictly always just coming from the manufacturer to to somebody or how does how does that industry work and, and why aren't they just hiring their own people? Well, some of them do and some of them it's a hybrid approach. You know, the the it, it comes back to that relationship and having the relationship. So a manufacturer builds a quality product. They want to get it out into the market. So they need some some way of getting that information there, uh, which obviously nowadays is quite a few ways of do doing it without having physical sales force. But the nature of the relationship, I think most manufacturers identify as being important. So uh, most of our principals have a direct sales force of some kind, whether it's just a regional sales manager or it's actually a full, like I have certain principals that have a person in my territory that sells right along next to me. And we learn how to work together with them. Um, but it's it comes down to having that relationship and a multi-line sales rep like myself, you know, we don't just have one reason to go in to see that customer. So if you have, you know, whatever, a break part that you're going to go in and sell as a direct person, well, once a guy says no, you don't have a reason to go back in to see him again. So where a multi-line rep, you know, we're like, oh, fine, you know, okay, what about this steering wheel? What about this seat? What about, you know, so we have multiple reasons to be in there to build that relationship. And I think most uh, principal manufacturers understand that benefit that we have. And it's also a, uh, you know, it's a variable cost of goods. So it's it's a commission. So if the person does a good job, you're going to pay them. If they don't sell as, as much as uh, you think they should, you're not going to pay them because it's just based on sales. Yeah. And I think a lot of people that think they know how business works, think more like the retail customer side. You go to a store, you buy something and, and you're done, right? But in the B2B world, it's a lot of this is relationships. Like it, and those are not easy to cultivate and they take a lot of years. I can imagine you got some some of your customers that you've been working with for quite a while. Yeah, and and it is sort of that benefit to the customer. So let's look at the OEM. So the OEM is dealing with you. Those people come and go. A lot of times the senior management stays the same, but you'll find uh, the manufacturer's regional people or their, their their management tends to come and go in a five, three to five year span. So for the customer, if they have a manufacturer sales rep in their day to day, it sort of gives you that continuity. 
Whereas otherwise, you know, you, somebody goes, you got to get somebody new. It makes it harder and harder to maintain that customer without that ongoing relationship. So we do find we probably get first call on opportunities because they're just used to seeing us and working with us. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of that is being in person. And I heard you, you know, I said you're younger, you're with your dad in the stores. I mean, I know now it's 2023. We got Zoom meetings. We got all these things. We had COVID. Did anything change for you up up to then? Or was were you guys already working remote? Or how did that impact your industry? And has it changed now versus pre-COVID at all for you guys? So um, independent sales reps are, you know, we started remote before remote was fashionable. You know, most of uh, manufacturer sales reps have independent, uh, have uh, people that work for them that work remotely within a, a given state. So we've already been doing remote. I think the benefit we got was being more productive. And it really came from Zoom calls like we're doing now, Teams calls, where you didn't necessarily have to get in your car to get in front of the person to get something done. It was very much easier to pull in the key people, whether it's uh, engineers, salespeople, uh, you know, people on their side. It was easier to pull someone together for a meeting. But then now we sort of save that in-person visit for building relationship, for something doesn't quite seem right, you know, I better get in there. So I think it made us really more uh, successful uh, absolutely uh, more profitable and it's a matter of using the tools that you have to the the best you can uh, i don't think there's one way to do it i think if you try to get yourself pigeonholed into one way of doing something you're going to make a mistake you're going to miss an opportunity you just have to always stay flexible i think i know we're very good that way and most of the uh, manufacturer sales reps i partner with are, are good that way as well so now that you know you're doing more of the remote stuff than you were before although you guys have been doing it for a while I know one of the comments you made earlier is usually you have like this geographical region, so you can only see so many customers. You're kind of limited and traveling and all those things. Is it is there opportunity now to like in your business or other rep businesses to like expand that because it can go on a bigger scale, or is that not really transpired and people are still kind of in the old model? No, it definitely has transpired. So most of the contracts that principals have with reps are geographic, but there's always that opportunity if you can bring value to one of the manufacturers, they're going to listen. So I have a couple of uh, programs that I work nationally, and obviously I'm not traveling all over the country, but I've got those relationships built up over the years. So I've been able to place products uh, for them at headquarters, but then normally the uh, sales rep in that geographical area in Texas is also gonna get paid as well. So it, you know, like I said earlier, it, it's taking advantage of the opportunities, of the resources that we have. You know, where can you get the, the biggest bang for your buck? You know, we only have time to spend. I don't actually have a physical good. So I look at the time I spend very carefully and see how profitable it is. And yes, doing things a little different, expanding our territory nationally has definitely been part of that. So you talked earlier uh, about how um, how this how this kind of all works, right? So you're representing manufacturers in your case for most part and you're helping them increase distribution you're helping them find new customers like what role are you paying playing with the current customers that you have for example for the audience yeah, so once you've made the sale and let's say a distributor is buying your product it's our job to train them on that product it's our job to work outside with their salespeople and train their salespeople on the product uh, if there's any issues with the product quality wise we get involved so we're really involved at every step of the way with that product and then our backstop is the manufacturer. 
So if, if there, let's say there happened to be a quality issue with a given product, we're going to collect all the information. We're going to get all the, all the, you know, the, the used product back, send it back to quality control to get that response. So we're always in the middle of these. So I know for the audience here, we actually work with, with Paul. He's helping us get our distribution set up for some of our diesel laptop products. So I know you've been talking to a lot of your customers about this. It, you know, it's not a truck part. It's a diagnostic tool. Like, how, how's the conversations gone with these guys? Some seem like they're all into it. So other ones seem like, I don't, I don't have anything to do with it. Like, how has it been just like a unique, different thing to go to your customers with? I think, you know, the thing that attracted me to diesel laptops was just the, the way that you were digging into the data and the way you were partnering with your customers. And I think that's key. Uh, I think the problem with distributors is they're so used to opening the door and just doing one thing, you know, counter, churning, 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 you know, they're moving boxes. It's, they don't necessarily care what the box is, it's just moving a box. So what we're trying to establish with diesel laptops is a more of a connection between that and their end user customer and their distributor base. You know, yes, I'm buying a part from you, that's great, we're exchanging value, but what can I do to increase that value? So some of those, uh, Distributors understand it a little better that hey, I can I can get this guy a little tighter in with me if I'm also helping him with his diagnostic side, and that's really the the pitch that's been most successful. But then, you know, as soon as you finish one call, they go back to their job, and you got to constantly stay in front of them. You got to yeah. constantly be talking to them. So it's not, you know, it's not like well, I need a break, so I'm going to buy a break. This is something they don't necessarily perceive they need. So you're trying to really expand their view of their customer you know what can i do besides just selling them apart and I, as you know you know you're kind of doing that on the retail side one-on-one -on -one. to the technician we're trying to get that distributor involved in it as well uh it it is destined for success it just takes time to get them to you know to sign up and you know time to sort of educate you guys on you know what is a distributor what are they looking for how, why is this just not automatically happening? You know, it's it's just a, a different way that they look at it than your direct customers. Yeah, no, you know, from my side, this is all new to me too, right? So for the audience again, I'm, I'm learning as we go here on what works and what doesn't. And when I first went into it, I'm like, well, heck, we got a strong brand name. We sell millions of dollars a month on our own. This will be easy peasy. Just throw them on the counter or throw them wherever and they'll, they'll fly off the shelf and the orders will come. And there's there's a lot more. There's a lot more to it than than that, and it's it's just like Paul was saying here. It's the it's the training. It's the awareness. Getting people to change their habits is so freaking hard. Like the like I I've been with plenty of sales reps from other companies, um, and you know they just kind of go in there. What do you need today, Joe? Like get me order. Like they would never talk about new products or new opportunities with their own customers. So it gets it gets really frustrating. I've I've talked to a couple of the reps that that kind of felt the same way as well but since you're in a lot of these retail establishments with truck parts i guess i want to just kind of get your opinion on on what you see going on inside these stores and everything so my perception has been like hey there's there's obviously a, an aging population of people that are behind the parts counters that are doing these things and able to facilitate looking up parts and selling parts and people are looking for solutions a lot of that comes to like data and aces and pies and getting data right so people can look up parts are you seeing a similar thing when you rock around the dealerships, people retiring that you've known for years and a lot of, you know, gray hair, no hairs on the parts counter and you can just tell like, hey, there's a there's a situation kind of coming up on the horizon here or am I am I overblowing it and it's it's really going to be all right? <laughs> well, I, it'll be all right because you know, uh, we're in a capitalist society, they'll figure it out. But I've I had when we first got involved, I kind of interviewed some of the uh 
the counterman. And I'm like, well, how do you look something up? And, you know, it's like, are you in there in the computer? And it's like, he's like, no, it's just not like that. You know, it's really uh, the guy comes in, he thinks he knows what he wants, doesn't necessarily know what he wants. Uh, so it's much more of a back and forth where they actually need to see the product. They need all that cross-reference information. You know, they and they've over the course of 30 years being a counterman, they sort of develop these sources and develop the information in their mind. Uh, so that's how they're successful. Then I'm like, okay, so the new guy coming on board. Well, you know, you get him on the computer. How do you how do you teach him? It's like he he'll he'll look down the counter and say, hey, I got something in front of me. I don't know what the answer is. So it's still very old school where it's hands-on, it's working with uh, somebody who already knows how to do it and little by little picking up the information. Uh, I don't think that's the best solution. I think there's a better solution and that's kind of where I'm hoping some of what you're doing is gonna help them along the way. You know, it's not like automotive where it's your make model, you got a part. Uh, it's much more involved in that. So that's one of the other things that really attracted me to your company. And I do feel like training for salespeople is as important as training for the technician. Yeah, and I mean, truck parts retailers have it hard because really they're selling a commodity part, right? So, I mean, you're, you're selling on price, product, or service, essentially. And when everyone's got the same product, nobody wants to like race to zero on the uh, on the price and the margin of these things. Some people do. Like I, I know I like my margins. I'm sure most of your customers do too. And it comes down to service. So I think that was, like you said earlier, that's, that's one of the angles, I think, for a lot of these you know, people that are looking to potentially resell our stuff is like, well, hey, look, I'm not going to talk to you about truck parts today. I'm going to talk to you about some tools that are going to make your shop more efficient so you guys can right. fix more equipment quicker. And it just it's a, it's a different mindset, though, to get people to think a little bit different way about diagnostic tools. Um, how, how have the conversations gone now? Are you seeing a little bit of more people getting a little more interest, or a little more understanding it more, or is it still just another widget in a box for a lot of these guys? Yeah, so what you'll find in any given organization, you're gonna find one, maybe two stars. So you've got 25 salespeople, you got a couple of guys, either they were techs before, or they're used to selling diagnostic equipment, and you just need to make them a success. Uh, they're the ones that are already calling me directly. They put me in direct in contact with their customer. So, you know, they feel supported and they have enough. They don't have a fear of selling a diagnostic tool, which you're not used to selling. And once that you accomplish that, then it's sort of what I talked about with the counterman. So you get the one guy that knows how to do it. And, you, and then I ask him, well, hey, who else in your organization do you think would be you know, a good person to get involved in this? not to get them scared off. I mean, we, we start with a 30 minute training on your product and I'm sure you can guess how well 30 minutes goes with everything involved in diesel laptops. You know, you're, you're really just broad brushing it. So it's very much getting involved one-on-one, -on -one, finding a few success stories and then turning those success stories into a, a company that's selling, you know, 50 to $100,000 worth of stuff. It takes time and again, it gets back to relationship you know, if, if this guy is selling, they're selling $50,000 worth of parts to somebody, they walk in with a diagnostic tool, maybe they haven't heard of you, hopefully they have, uh, there's that bond, that relationship they already have with that distributor because he's buying fifty dollars to $100,000 worth of parts. So there's a trust, and that's really what we're trying to piggyback on. And then Diesel Laptop giving them the support so that when they do recommend us, you know, we make them look good. You know, it's, we're definitely picking up a little bit. Um, but I'm, I'm still very uh, confident that helping them build that relationship with their customers through training, through technology is is a key to their growth as well as yours. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always the long game, not the short game. And I, I think, 
you know, if the <laughs> I think a lot of people see the headlines, the news about like AI and chatbots and all these fancy technology to help sell more things and do more things. But at the end of the day, a lot of it just comes, I don't know if you call it old school or what you call it, but it really is like boots on the ground, having a relationship with someone, building that level of trust and and having all that, that commerce just kind of flow through all that stuff. So have you seen technology creeping in at all with all these new things that you hear about in the news or is it still kind of like a, not really involved in the spaces you touch? I think the, uh, the cell phone is still one of the biggest pieces of technology that has hit us. Um, I think the, the way that we can now communicate with people is a lot quicker and a lot easier. Uh, we can share images, uh, information back and forth. We do that with all our customers today. Uh, the, the technical training, like I mentioned earlier with the counterman, just sort of learning because he's done it for 30 years, there really hasn't been a good solution for that in the heavy duty side. It still seems to be you know, a bit of a grind and, and you got to find the people, you know, or taking someone from the tech side that's maybe tired of doing wheel end work and but has a good enough understanding of the vehicle now pull him into sales. He'll make a little more money and he can, you know, it's sort of that that ground up uh, a way of doing it. Uh, I'd like to see a better solution for that for the training for these guys, but I haven't seen a really, really good system yet. Yeah. No, I mean, I was talking to another company a couple of weeks ago and they're like, oh, we're building this app and you can just take a picture of your truck part and I'll tell you what part number it is. I'm like, you know, there's like 500 different brake drums. I'm like, there's no way that app's going to be able to figure out the exact part. It may know it's a brake drum. It's not, but I have no idea the exact brake drum that you need or the exact slack adjuster you need, or here's a door hand. There, there's no way that thing is going to do that. There's just there's just so much of a data gap there and everything. And then I was just at a conference last week, and it was you know all about ChatGPT and AI, machine learning, and like you'll be able to ask it like I need a door handle for a 2002 Kenworth whatever, and it'll be like boop here's your part number. And I'm like you know that's yeah it can do that, but it doesn't have access to all the data to actually do that thing. There's a there's a completely segregated piece here. So I it, I do think technology is going to keep trying to make it more efficient. Like you said, capitalism tends to always win at the end of the day, so there's always solutions for things. Uh, I know another thing, you sent me a video before this with the HDMRC. Can you explain yeah. to the audience what HDMRC is? Uh, yeah, I also wanna go back and do a little self-promotion to say it is one of the benefits of using an independent sales rep. So we talked about all the issues with that salespeople have, that our customers have, the counter people have, but because we've been doing it, most, the average uh, life of the sales rep you know, average has been, you know, 10 to 12 years at the same company. So that continuity is definitely key. And we're very good at picking up information and translating it back to our customers very efficiently. So we do definitely help the industry. But HDMRC was started, we just had our 10 year anniversary. There were uh, five agencies. I was one of them that started it. And we basically wanted to create a professional organization that helps support reps. Uh, so, yeah, you may think it's odd, but as manufacturer sales rep, we really get along with each other. We work well with each other. Uh, we don't really feel threatened by each other and we're there to support each other. So it's, it's definitely somewhat unique. Yes, I have competitors. These competitors are in the meetings with, that we have with HDMRC. But that's okay because we're sharing best practices. We're sharing, you know, we're bringing manufacturers in. Like you came into one of our meetings and that kind of got me excited about data and where data was going and how that could help my customers. So the, the whole premise of the organization, there's about 32 companies involved in it. 
Uh, if you expanded that out, it's probably about 130 uh, feet on the street uh, that are calling on customers every day. So we will bring someone in on, it could be, we had a course on CRM. How do you use CRM? We had courses on finances. We had courses on how do you train your people? So we're trying to make the agencies more professional as they present themselves to the customers, as they present themselves to the manufacturers. So it is part of uh, the MEMA group. Uh, we have like a, a pseudo TED talk uh, once a year in January uh, at the HDAW show. And then we also do a like a, an, uh, Pulse meeting, which is going to be coming up here in June. But it's exciting. And it's not, I mean, have I gained money from it? Yes, just through association, just through, hey, we're talking about things, what's going on in your territory. But more than anything, I really gained knowledge. You know, when you look at what you do and you compare it to what you could, people who you consider to be professionals across the country and see what they're doing, you sort of check off the boxes where you're doing it right. And then you sort of look up. Oh, Maybe I should do that a little differently because these three guys are doing it differently and they're being successful. Well, Paul, I know manufacturer sales reps definitely play an important role in everything that's going on here. Hopefully the audience got a little educated on this whole thing. If they want to get a hold of you um, and have a conversation with you, what's the best place to go? Uh, NewMarketSales.com or you can go to HDMRC's uh, website and you can pick up my information, or if you're looking for another sales rep in a different territory, I'm just in the Northeast. It's a great resource for finding independent sales reps throughout the country and South America and Canada. Well, Paul, again, thank you very much for spending some time with us here right after Memorial Day. Uh, hopefully you had a great Memorial Day. I know I did. And we're gonna end this episode like we do everyone, where it's not just diagnostics, it's diagnostics done right. And that includes help and setup distribution. And that's exactly what manufacturer sales reps do. So thank you very much, everyone, for watching and listening. Like, comment, share, subscribe, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.